right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. We're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? You feeling Christmassy this week? I am, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very Christmassy. Finish work. Although my Christmas eating starts from my birthday, really, which is the beginning of the month, and I just get so much chocolate <laughs> and crap then. I just start eating, and then it's just a, a whole month. Uh, <laughs> a whole month you spend the rest of the year paying for yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah I'm good man are you feeling Christmassy? feeling very Christmassy and you know what I'm looking forward to most of Christmas Barney is uh, watching the Classico on the 23rd of December I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> if any game sums up Christmas it's the Classico you know two people arguing over the Christmas dinner it's fiery it's full of sparks um, no but looking forward to that. no definitely looking forward to looking, looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days as well yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could watch that game together. That could be that could be nice. That'd be very exciting, yeah. Well, Albert, I know you usually take the lead in the in the news section and sort of kind of, but there's a new story that come up that I wanted to to bring to the table this week, and it's, it seems I don't know why it feels Christmassy, but it it is to me. So basically, <laughs> two two Porto fans have delivered a bed of straw to the sort of. <laughs> The, the league's headquarters as they were and it, they, they left notes saying a Christmas gift from Porto fans for the excellent work you've done by your excellencies um, <laughs> <laughs> a good Christmas dinner it's all to eat I just <laughs> I don't know if you saw this man but this has filled me with so much joy such a funny little story what a nice Christmas present a hay bell wrapped up in a blue bow from the Porto fans basically a big fuck you to the League of Portugal for this year I quite enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> well, what what are they saying? They say the donkeys or something, or like what? what? <laughs> I imagine that's the kind of insinuation here. <laughs> I don't think many people are very impressed with League of Portugal this year. Um, it did get me thinking, though, Barney. In the spirit of Christmas and and, and Christmas presents, if you had to deliver a Christmas present to someone in the league, could be a team, a player, a manager. Uh, if you were to give a Christmas present to someone in the league this Christmas, who would it be, uh, and what would you get them? Oh, well, I thought uh, Victoria Grimmish need a centre-back, don't they? I, so that, that, that could be a nice little <laughs> gift. <laughs> and then the other one I thought of was, um, I'd give the B-side president a Rubik's Cube to keep him busy, man. I've seen way too much of this guy <laughs> over the last few months. I keep seeing little he's, quotes from him. I'm like, oh, mate, this guy needs to... <laughs> he's, got a, uh, he's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? You got, you got any present ideas? Well, I was thinking about this and, you know, it's, it's a typical Christmas thing. What do you get the man who has everything? And of course, I'm talking about Alvaro Pacheco, the Vizela manager, the most mm. stylish man uh, in the League of Portugal. Obviously famous for his, his hat, his flat cap. But with the new announcement that there's going to be a new series of Peaky Blinders on UK television, I thought what pre- better present to get Alvaro Pacheco than one of those classic Peaky Blinders hats. You know the ones I mean, but they've got mm. the little bulb on the head with the flat cap. I just think it would be a, an upgrade on the flat cap that he's got already. And I think he would appreciate the little uh, the little stylish present. I think an Amaran should go for a hat. Before he gets too big, you know, I feel like he should get a little <laughs> bit of headwear just to sort of have a little signature look. You know, because he, he's I feel like he's quite... He's quite generic, you know, young Portuguese manager looking, I feel. And I think he needs he needs a little something to, um, you know, make himself stand out a bit more <laughs> before he make, goes global. I think he needs a baseball cap and a gold chain, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's quite enough Christmas antics uh, for now. It is, of course, our last episode before Christmas and New Year. So uh, we will be doing at the end of the show a little Q&A section 
uh, with some of our Twitter followers. We put out on Twitter for some questions and a lot of people got in touch. So we will be doing that uh, at the end of the show. But Barney, we do have to talk about, of course, the football that happened uh, in the Premier Liga this week. And let's start, as we always do, with the big three. And of course, the most eye-catching scoreline of the week uh, and a result that I think got a lot of people talking. Uh, and that was Benfica 7, Maritimo 1. Now, there's quite a few places that this game could take the conversation. I think we're going to discuss a few of those uh, in the course of this show. But first things first, let's deal with the actual game of football that we saw because it was a remarkable game in itself. 7-1, of course, is a dramatic scoreline for any game between two clubs in the same league. Benfica were completely dominant. They were ruthless. Uh, they were clinical. And I thought Maritimo were very disappointed and lacklustre. I will say that this is the last time I will ever make a Twitter prediction because before the game, <laughs> I predicted that Maritimo would, would give Benfica a good game here. They did literally the complete opposite and made me look very stupid in the process. Um, they let Benfica walk all over them and Benfica were more than happy to do so. Are you going to let the listeners know how much money you put on Maritimo before the game? I bet one. I, I, all right, thanks for bringing this up, Brian. I bet I bet one pound, one English pound, that Maritimo would beat Benfica at fifteen to one. I just thought, look, what have I got to lose? Wait, we, we should we should tweet out that Twitter conversation because we're both getting ahead of ourselves. We, we both had a feeling, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, look, it was a really f- massive performance from Benfica, I thought, and and particularly important for Jorge Jesus. You know, think of. The pressure came on after the sporting game. And yes, they got through to the Champions League knockout stages. But they, I think the fans really wanted those who were, were still critical of him and ha- had their doubts. They, they needed big performances like this. I know they've got some big games against Porto coming up as well, which they're also going to be expecting um, decent performance. But this was this was really important. And and what a performance. I, I mm. Like we like we just touched on, I don't think we we saw this coming. And the 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 way they played, it was the front three Albert that that really just just did it for Benfica. I think the midfield, I, I still think as Mario is the person Jaramario passed to the most was um, one of the centre backs. I think so. Like you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't necessarily the midfield that were getting them up the field. It, it really was this combination of Uremshik, Darwin, Rafa. Um, a combination I thought was we would see in the last of when um, Everton sort of had a resurgence into the team, but. I mean, these three just worked so well. You know, the two main guys, Darwin and Raphael, but every week now, it's it's lovely stuff. Well, we mentioned him on last week's show at length, of course. And for me, Rafa uh, is the star. And he just seemed to up his game even more than last week in this game. You know, he was already deadly against Family Cow. It was one goal and four assists uh, in this match. Absolutely outstanding. He's definitely, for me now, alongside Luis Diaz, uh, as the top two players in the league, I think there's a very strong argument that he's number one on current form. I, as I said, on current form, I would probably have Pedro Gonzalez slightly outside of those two, uh, the way they're playing at the moment. But when you look at him and the way he's playing, he has the profile of someone right now who could be playing at a high level for a top European club. He just has that level of class, that level of ability, which is just a step above, I think, what what anyone else is doing in this league, even in his own team. On that, Albert, I think that's a really interesting thought to have about, you know, he's, the, the guy's 28 years old. You could be saying he's he's reaching his peak, although, you know, we're seeing players stay at this level for a, a lot longer in their in their careers. Could he be their big income this summer? And I think about, I think about, the, you mentioned the top European teams. 
this guy, you know, he might not start, but he will, you know, you know, he can play him in the Champions League and he'll give you a performance. He'll create stuff. But this, this guy is absolutely lethal at the moment. I definitely can see him at a Champions League club. I mean, maybe not one of the top, top clubs, but I can definitely see him at, you know, a Milan, uh, an Inter, you know, a team like that. I think that would be a great level for him. And I definitely think uh, he's someone who has the, the quality to play in the latter stages of the Champions League. Also, of course, Barnley, Darwin was excellent. He didn't get his hat-trick, which he probably deserved. Although I did feel that once he got onto his two goals, he started to show that, he kind of has a level of maturity and common sense that he needs to develop if he's going to get onto the next level and be a real world-class striker because he showed fantastic ability, great desire to get those first two goals. It was a great performance up to there. Sets himself up for the hat-trick, but then it just seems to get into his head. Uh, and suddenly I thought he was wasting chances. He was shooting when he should have passed. Uh, and then as a result of that, he was passing when he should have shot to try and make up for it and it was just slightly frustrating to see him get to that certain point and then not be able to control his own game over the whole time that he was on the pitch nonetheless fantastic fantastic player done really well to get the number of goals that he's got as this season but I think he did just show that there's still for him a level extra that he needs to work on unlocking well I think it's interesting you know like you touched on there compare that to Rafa who I thought was so smart in that yes. assist for Uremshuk. And, yes. and, and and by that, I mean, you know, not if it's smart in the play, but I think he identified a player in his team who, who needed a confidence boost. And, and by doing yeah. that, you know, helping him out. Darwin's the younger guy that like, he's going to be hungry for gold. He's obviously got the golden boot in his mind at the, the, the rate he's going at. So yeah, he, he probably didn't have that. Although what I would say is that the ball that Darwin played from like, you know, almost a halfway line. That yeah. it's just absolutely de- delightful. I, I, I'm really loving Darwin this season. I think he's, you know, I think he's going to be the best striker come the end of the season in this league. But there was heavy rumours they were going to sell to Brighton in the summer for 30 mil. He's up and up in his value, isn't he? The, the, the weight he's going at. It was great to see Uremshuk back of the team getting the goals. I think, though he he missed a few opportunities, Uremshuk, he, he, he looks a little rusty in front of goal. I think what he did to that that front three, the the spaces he makes for for Dar- I think that that brings out the best in Darwin, playing a little off 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 the centre of the pitch and drifting wide. I think I think that worked really well, and I think you know it, it was um yeah thanks to Ramchuk. Well, it's really interesting you bring your Ramchuk up, Barney, because I think he was a real talking point after this game. I saw a lot of differing opinions on Twitter, but one of the most interesting was that when you watch your Ramchuk play, you have to understand that football is not all about statistics and by that I think what they meant was just because this guy's not scoring doesn't mean that he's not yeah. playing well and this is a similar conversation to the one we've had about Paulinho quite a number of times this season and to be fair to him as you say when you watch him his link up with his teammates is excellent case in point being his assist for Rafa's goal where he chipped the keeper that lovely pass yeah through, yeah fantastic pass and New Hampshire deserves a lot of credit for that goal but equally Barney you have to be fair and say that he is missing chances and he missed chances in this game he isn't quite doing the whole job that he's meant to be, scoring goals. And of course, he did score in this game, but it was a bit of a tap-in handed to him on a plate by Rafa. He missed plenty of chances that you would expect an accomplished striker playing at a big team like Benfica to put away. So I think on the one hand, you can praise the work he's doing uh, with the ball, linking up with his teammates, but I don't think it's unreasonable to expect him to be scoring more of the chances that he is getting. Yes, I, I don't know how much that is, is down to him having a run in the team. I, I know he had a lot of chances at the beginning of the season, but he seems to have been out of favour. I don't know. Yeah, I think I've certainly have expected more than I've seen of him so far. 
I, I, I enjoyed other players in this Benfica team's performance in this game. I thought Gilberto had a mm. great game. I think I forget that he can finish like that. Gilberto Carlos. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, he's someone that I've always said perhaps doesn't suit the, the wing-back position when they're playing the five at the back. But in, in this game, he was excellent. And um, Would you have been disappointed, though, with the goal they conceded? Does it show their frailties at the back? I wouldn't go quite as far as to say it showed their frailties. Um, I think they'll be disappointed not to get the clean sheet in a goal in a game where they scored seven goals. But I thought it was a good goal. I thought it was a very good ball in and a very good header. And while they could have defended slightly better, I think if you're going to concede goals, you'd rather concede good goals like that than concede sloppy tapping. So I didn't actually have too much of a problem uh, with the goal. Just lastly on Benfica from me, Barney, I did want to also say that it was really nice to see Gonzalo Ramos getting on the score sheet. You know, we've talked so many times about how congested uh, Benfica's squad is in terms of striking options. So uh, it was nice to see him get the opportunity and and, and score a good goal uh, in a Benfica shirt. I think we should discuss Maritimo, Barney, and the game from their perspective. I think the biggest debate when it comes to Maritimo in this game is about the way they chose to play, i.e., was it the right call from Siabra to take his team to the Estadio de Luz and try and play in the same attacking, expansive way that we know he wants to? And to be fair, they did have one or two moments getting forward. They did get their goal. But of course, the, the elephant in the room is that he also conceded seven, you know, not four goals, uh, like not four goals that Vizela conceded, not three goals that Gil Vicente conceded this weekend. They conceded seven. Does it benefit those players uh, to go to Benfica and concede seven goals? Does it build their confidence in the style of football that they're trying to play? Does it show that this is a manager capable of adapting his ideas to get difficult results in difficult circumstances? I have to say, in my personal opinion, um, I understand that some people admire, you know, when a small club go to a bigger team and try and play good football, uh, you know, try and compete on their own terms. But I think it does show a level of naivety from the manager to go, set up his team in this way that allowed them to be destroyed in the manner that they were. Maybe he thought they were going to lose the game anyway, and so he may as well play the game the way he wants to. But I think it was a mistake. We praise Vasco Siabra a lot, and I still think he's a fantastic manager. I think he will achieve good things with this Maritimo side, but I think he made big mistakes in this game, and I think the scoreline was partly due to how he set up the team to play. Yeah, it's, it was very hard to gauge Maritimo's level because they, they were trying to play something that was just not going to not gonna happen in this game. I think their two centre-backs had decent games. I think um, mm. Zainadine and um, Mateus Costa both played well, I think. But then if there was a third one in there, would that have helped them, being able to track the, track the runs? I, it, that, that, that's the question that came into my mind. So yeah, perhaps a change of system in this game would have been good for them. I thought Joe Togo as well looked quite bright at the beginning of the game. I did enjoy watching him play the way he tried to hustle the Benfica defence. And also Claudio Wink looks like a good right back. I, I think he's an interesting play. He's, you know, he's a right back from Maritimo, but he just seems to have kind of quality and delivery and, and, and kind of a, a level about him that, that is a bit above uh, those other players. Just to have a final word on Maritimo and about how they played. I do agree that they should be trying to play ambitious football, but I will say that they also need to perhaps accept their place a little bit and understand that if they are going to have success in this league, they're going to need to be able to adapt to different situations. I'll just leave it at that. Well, let's do our next game, Barney. Let's talk about Gil Vicente nil, Sporting Free, a game which wasn't short of a few fireworks, to say the least. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about the two red cards in the first half. First, 
for Kanya Fujimoto. No complaints about that one. Looks like a very, very daft tackle. And the second one for Luis Neto, Barney. And I'm hoping you can shed some light on this because I'm not entirely sure what that was actually for. Some kind of off-the-ball altercation wasn't quite picked up by the cameras. Um, it was just a strange first half in general, really. Never really got going. Very disrupted by those two incidents. Uh, but in the end, of course, Sporting pulled it together in the second half and did end up with a very convincing win. I think those two red cards are very important of how the game um, played out, Albert. I think, um, yeah, Fujimoto, like you said, that was a... To me, that was like a forwards tackle, wasn't it? It's just, it, yeah. you know, it, it was rash. Definitely a red. With Neto, it was an interesting one. So I think Ugarte, uh, sorry, Pedrino uh, fouled Ugarte and there was a bit of back and forth between the two verbally. And then I, and then Neto sort of came in, must have heard what Pedrino had been saying and, and, and went for the headbutt. Because um, I think Ugarte originally got sent off um, by the referee before he, he corrected his mistake because he thought Ugarte was the one to have uh, reacted to the foul. Neto's first time in the league, he's got a straight red. So it's sort of, you know, Pedrino must have got on just skin for saying something um he's a very experienced defender didn't expect that from him pedrino seems to be the sort of guy who would piss me off too he looks like that guy <laughs> <laughs> he's got something about him every team needs one yes absolutely i mean i think fujimoto is a bigger loss to his team than neto is right i think the the, the particular way gilvis and they've been playing um, it just completely changed the way Gilvicente had to go about their business. But I think um, sporting are much more comfortable adapting with the slight change of formation. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Bonnie? Because, of course, Gilvicente went down to 10 men first, but then it was evened up. So it should have been back to level terms on paper. You say that Fujimoto was a big loss for Gilvicente. Of course, I agree. But let's not forget, they still had Samuelino on the pitch. They still had Fan Navarro on the pitch. They still had Pedrino on the pitch. They still had key players on the pitch who can make something happen. Uh, and the end result was that they really didn't impose themselves on the game if you're being if you're being honest I know we both love them Barney and we, and we want to give them praise where it's due but equally I think the reality was they really didn't live up to what we've kind of praised them for recently Sporting on the other hand as I alluded to a very professional job uh, in the second half they managed to get their heads together because the first half was very disrupted Nuno Santos great first goal Lucky with the deflection, perhaps. But I have to say, like you've mentioned a couple of times, he's been really impressive for me this season with his work rate and his versatility. You, and, you know, you mentioned it a couple of weeks back with uh, about the arrival of Sarabia and how that could have easily got him to drop his head. Maybe would have thought he was out of the team. But he's reinvented himself somewhat in this left wing back position. You know, there's an opportunity there with Nuno Mendes leaving and Vinagre not really performing and he's really contributing to the team two goals in his last two league games seven goals all season he's proven to be a very key player in the squad great team get uh, yeah another goal for sporting what's interesting to me albert is nuno santos consistency this season compared to pedro gonzalez i think he's a man a little bit out of form this game he had seven shots four on target had an xg of 1.6 and i know the, the goal went down as a nationals which probably would have his shot probably would have gone in if it hadn't I, I, yeah I, don't know. I didn't like that one but the reason I feel like interesting because you know you mentioned Sarabia already I think um Mateus Reis can obviously play that left wing back session so then Nuno Santos could be played further forward I just think he's up op- there's options now and I'm not, it's a nice option to have for Aaron like if, if he needs to go with Pedro and have his rest or give him a, a kick up the bum and, and drop him for a game I think Nuno Santos and Sarabia either side of Pelina would have lovely as well. Estevez getting his league debut as well on the right-hand side. It was it was really nice to see. He looks like a really good player, Barney. I'm really impressed by him. Every but time how, I watch him how play. How young does he look? How, I, like, know, I, I know. I know he's young, but he looks younger than whatever. <laughs> Is he 17? With um, the injuries they've got at right back there, we're going to see um, 
him a bit more this uh, the, certainly this month. And of course, Brun Cancer getting his first league goal. You know mm. how, how nice was that? It's just a lovely, a lovely game for Sporting. It was really nice. I was really pleased to see Braganza score. You know, so many people speak so highly of him and you can see why, the way he plays, you know, so much quality at his feet. He plays with that kind of class that only few players have. And, you know, Paulinho, I thought credit to him because he did really well to set up that goal. Oh, yeah. Very well taken goal. Very good assist. Uh, Yeah, fantastic performance all around from Sporting. Very professional. They dealt with a difficult situation very well. Uh, And I think they'll be pleased with their three points. And finally, for me, Paninia back got the got on for the last half hour. Um, although yes. Igarte has been absolutely fantastic, um, Mateus Nunes probably had a very quiet game for me. So you know, whether that combination changes, we see Ugarte and Palini. I don't know, um, but yeah, great to see him back after injury. Those four midfielders: Braganza, Ugarte, Nunes, and Palina. Four fantastic options. I mentioned it last week, Albert. I think that I, I just. I'm surprised that they've maintained and improved on the level they've shown last season. Yeah, they've already got more points at this stage this season than they did last season when they won the league. So very, very good signs and very impressive season so far. Well, look, let's talk about Porto, Barney, the last of the big three and another big scoreline this week. Porto 4, Vizela nil. Very interesting, Barney. If I understood the Portuguese commentator correctly, then this was the first time Porto had ever played in Vizela Stadium. And seeing as this is Vizela's first time in Premier League, it doesn't seem too unlikely. Obviously, it ended 4-0. Luis Diaz, Otavio and Zaidu Sanusi, of all people, got on the score sheet as well as an own goal from Samu to make it for Firmino Baini, the man of the match, wasn't any of those goal scorers. And I think you're going to agree with me on this. But it was Vitinha, who, despite not being credited with any goals or assists, was completely instrumental all game I thought, in pretty much everything Porto did, involved in every attack. His passing was fantastic, as always. And he just seems like a real luxury player that any team would love to have. Here's a stat I didn't expect to see associated with him as well. He had the most defensive contributions for Porto in the first half. You know, that just well, shows what this guy was doing. I tell you what I really, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, is forcing, not forcing, but working his way into this team and, and keeping his spot. I think at the start of the season, it, it took a little while for him to come into the team. We, he didn't, you know, there was obviously a few combinations of that midfield played by Sergio Cochesal, but he can't drop him now. That he, there'd be absolute uproar from the fans if he was. He's um, phenomenal, and I think um, a target for me as well. But a captain in this game, um, I thought he had, he had an amazing game as well. I think it's it's easier to perhaps underappreciate how good he's been for Porto in a, in a number of positions. You know, he's, he's been mm, yeah. played in, in various roles and he's always contributed. And I think the way he comes inside and occupies spaces in the middle really is an important part of the way Porto are attacking this season because obviously Diaz is going to be the width on the left, but Jao Mario is the one on the right because Otavio is making a space for him and it just works so well. Yeah, I think there's a number of players who've been stepping up for Porto recently, and I think that explains their success when they've got so many players performing at such a high level. One more, Barney, that I want to praise before we finish on Porto, uh, and I think it's someone we mentioned for the last few times we've covered Porto, and that, of course, is Diogo Costa in goal, and I think he just looks absolutely fantastic, pulled off some fantastic saves again in this game. I think his key moment in the match was actually that exchange that ended with 
Guillermo Schettin being sent off for Vizela. Mm. Um, but in those moments before that incident, he pulls off a really fantastic oh. double save. Uh, and it was a really good chance for Vizela because the ball was very bouncing around in that six-yard box. Uh, and Diogo Costa was you know, alert to the action. Yeah, alert to the action to avert any danger. I do think Schettin was a little bit unlucky to get sent off, I have to say. you know, He kind of left the foot in on Costa, which I think, fair enough, is definitely a red, but... I, I didn't think there was really any intention and, and Scatina had been having a, a decent game for Vizella up to that point and they were kind of really tangled up together so it was a bit unavoidable. But anyway, uh, Costa again, I just thought absolutely fantastic and has been the whole season for Porto. I think it was a little harsh to red card for Scatina. I think goalkeepers are sometimes overprotected in those situations but um, regardless, I think He's been unreal for me, Diego Costa, and I think mm. this game was perfect in, in some of the saves he's made. There's an interesting situation there, Albert. I don't know if you knew this. Marcheson, obviously the keeper, he's keeping out of the team. Has never lost against Benfica, and there's a couple of games coming up where, oh, okay. <laughs> where, that, where that might be uh, might be handy to have in the team. But then it's a great opportunity for him. Um, Diego Costa just, yeah, I, I don't expect him to be dropped. I think he's going to keep his place. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I feel like how the the pressure's starting to build on Taremi. I know we talk about this a lot on him not scoring. And I think because throughout his time in Portugal, you know, he's consistently scored. There hasn't really been a drought like this. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with it because I felt like there was a moment in this game after a few misses where I felt his attitude changed. And I think, I feel like we have a similar com- conversations about Paulinho, didn't we? Where we say he's an excellent creator, he's more to his game, he's a great pass for the ball, which Taremi absolutely is. But what I felt I saw in this game was that once he'd missed a few chances, I think we started to see his game drop a bit. I don't want to see that. I feel like he needs to, it's going to be a real test of this guy's character because he's a great, he's a great striker. Definitely the first time he's been tested in this way in Portugal, I think. So it will be interesting to see how he gets through it, but he's definitely got the quality to perform at this level as he's already proved. So as long as he remembers that, he should be fine. One thing I wanted to say about Vizela Barney, I don't have much to say about, about him in, in terms of football, but I do want to say, and I think I've said a similar thing before, what a pleasure it was to see and hear the Vizela fans fill their stadium and make such a great noise. There's a lot said about poor attendances in Portugal and Vizela has really been a breath of fresh air this season in that regard. Since they've been in the Primera Liga, they've had great attendances. They've had good home and away followings. When I went to Family Cow and watched Family Cow versus Vizela, they filled the away end. I know it's not a super long journey, they're both in the north of Portugal. But it was just great to see. They always make a good noise and they always fill their stadium. And I just thought it was a real credit to their team, those fans. I completely agree with you. And I think what I really loved about the stadium, I was, um, it was interesting how narrow their pitch was. I think it was mm. quite obvious to see on the TV. But then, of course, that meant, you know, you've got the, the fans either side almost upon the players. And it's in that, I don't know, it just felt like a, looked like a really great place to play and watch football. I think they've, they've been a really interesting one for me this season. Obviously, a really good win against Aruka last game week. It was a 4-1, which is, is massive for them. I think when I have watched them, I've liked, they've got some good players. I've, I've really enjoyed watching them. And I think they um, they seem to be very comfortable in this league. I know this was quite a quite a frubbing, but yeah, I still feel like they, 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 they've put on a really good showing so far. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Barney. Do you think they'll be safe to see them? I think I'm inclined to say they are. I think they've got enough. They've got enough spark in that midfield and attack that I think that they four goals last week. That this, this team can score goals. So yeah, I I think they I, I think they can stay. And I think there's 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 teams that we saw last season in the Premier League not performing anywhere near the standard that I've seen Brazil play in a few games that um, I've, mm. I've seen. Very good. Well, look, let's move on then. Let's move outside of the big three, and let's talk about a game that we knew had a lot at stake. 
a game we knew was worth keeping an eye on and for me definitely lived up to the expectation that was Esteril prior to Family Cow 2, a game where the managers were almost as much of a focus as the game itself. Bruno Pinheiro recently heavily linked with the Besiktas job, but reported to have turned that offer down in order to stay in Portugal. And of course, Ivo Vieira at Family Cow. We said last week, Barney, if he lost this game, he was a goner. It turns out a draw wasn't enough to see him spared the axe and he has been replaced by former Nuno Espirito Santo assistant Rui Pedro Silva. Firstly, Barney, how big a deal is it to you that Bruno Pinheiro turned down that offer from Besiktas in order to stay in Portugal with Estoril? I think it's absolutely massive, Albert. And, and as soon as the rumour came out, I was completely resigned to the fact that it was going to go and I went... I, you know, I took my eye off the ball for a few days and just thinking that, oh, he's gone and thinking how sad that was for a Portuguese football. And when I realised that that this wasn't going to happen, I think it's fantastic because there really is something happening here. There's a, a squad here, there's a manager here. And we've seen the success they're having with their youth team. You know, this, this seems to be a club that's doing things properly in a really smart way. I'm absolutely overjoyed Pinho Steri. I think he's um he's the symbol of Astral's success this season. I completely agree. I was also really surprised when he when he stayed I thought he it was a done deal and he was going I think it's a great decision from him to stay and at the very least see this season out we know full well that often these projects don't last beyond one season family cow case in point as we'll come on to but I think like you this is a club with right ideas who really want to build something and I think it was a really smart decision by the manager not to leave before the end of the season because he's got an opportunity to finish what he started with these players and really build even more of a name for himself than what he currently has. Mate, if they're in the Europa Conference League next season, that's going to be huge for him. And um, I love their team. I think there's so many good players and players that we love for the same reason in there, you know, like Shirouders. Andre Franco has been an absolute joy this season. Shakini on the wing. Uh, Machine is back from injury, I think, as well. These are all similar players. You know, you just love to watch. You love to see mm. them express themselves. And that, the way that they all put together and it comes together is is great. They have got a lot of draws recently. They they obviously had an excellent start to the season to put them where they are. But, you know, this is this was another good game for them. You know, they're drawing a family cloud too, too. Let's talk about Ivo Vieira Barney on the flip side. And and what do you make of, of his situation? Personally, I'm quite torn because on the one hand, I'm not surprised that he's gone given the results that they had. But on the other hand, I still think he's a more than good enough manager to take family cow at the table, more than good enough. In many ways, I think he's a better manager than family cow are a club. Let's not forget that family cow are a historically small team and Ivo is a relatively well-established manager. Um, So I have to say, I thought they were a little bit quick to let him go perhaps, but of course it's the biggest cliche in football Football is a results business, and the results were undeniably poor this year. I think, um, yeah, they've, they've been consistently poor, but he's been quite consistent with his um, team selection, his this, this style is played. Uh, but for this game, Albert, you know, he's completely switched things up. He's gone five at the back, brought in players we, I've, I've barely seen all season, and and for me, that just shows someone who's, who's got no more ideas. You know, he, mm. he's he's panicking, and and I think his players have let him down this season. It, in certain performances I think there's a huge amount of quality in that in that team uh, and they just haven't come together I mean look, look Banzer got a goal in this game but he's back in form he, he's been great this season he's, he's a fantastic striker and um, I feel like I wanted it to work I feel like it could still work further down the line 
but I understand why Family Car have made the move because it it we are getting further down the line and there's there's less of the line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I see exactly what you're saying, and and we wondered where they would go next for their manager. I think we thought they might go abroad for a different manager. They've gone down the Joao Pedro Souza route, Barney. They've gone for someone who's not had a top managerial job before. Uh, in Rui Pedro Silva, he was he was assistant to Nuno at a variety of clubs, Wolves, Rio Ave, Valencia, amongst others. Uh, so we wait to see uh, how he will get on and if he will have the same success that Joao Pedro Souza had in his first year. Well, let's talk about the game. I personally think 2-2 was a fair result. I think it was a very even match, two very evenly matched teams. And to use another cliche, I think it was a game that neither team deserved to lose, in fairness. I think for Estoril, I was very impressed with Chiquinho. I thought, you know, he's a player that I've had really high hopes for uh, since the beginning of the season. I don't think he's quite made the mark that I imagined he would initially, but it's easy to forget that this guy is a young kid. You know, he's only 21. And I thought he looked very bright in this game. And equally, we have to mention, of course, that man, Andre Franco. I believe he was given the man of the match award for this game. He's won that award multiple times this season. Two assists in this match. Such a talented player. So good to watch. And one of the standout players from an already successful team, full of players overachieving. So I think he's really been a revelation this season. I've absolutely adored watching him play. It will be interesting to see what his career holds. Oh, another player for them I wanted to chat about is um, Ferrezi, the centre-back on loan from Man City. I mean, look, look those two centre-backs they were playing was, were 20 years old and 23 years old. And yeah. That's the other thing I love about this team is that it's, it's, it's a young team and they're, 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 they're not afraid to, to give youth a chance. The position for Estrell that I've never really felt convinced on is striker. I know they've got a few options. I think um, Vuri Front obviously got a, a goal in this game, but I think that's the that's a position I could I could see them improve on. I, I, I don't know if they will go in the transfer market, but um, no, it, it seems like there's 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 better options out there, perhaps. I mean, the thing I like about this Estoril team, Barney, is that they're a team that shares the goals around, um, which I quite like. Obviously, Andre Franco, the top scorer with six, but then you've got other players, Chiquinho with three, Rui Fonte with three, Lorenko with two. You know, there's a number of players chipping in with goals, which I think is a, a very healthy sign uh, for a team. In terms of family cow as well, you mentioned that it was a much changed side, which I thought was quite interesting. But the key thing for me was Simon Banza coming back and scoring, because if he can keep up the rate of scoring that he showed he was capable of a little bit earlier in the season, that will be a massive asset for them. And, you know, for a team who are struggling and trying to get results, having a striker like him, who's proven that he can score, is an absolute gem. So they need him on form and scoring if they're going to rectify the situation that they're in. I think one thing we've always seen from Family Cal since we've been watching them the last season and a bit is that they're they're always active in the transfer market, aren't they? They're, they're going to be making mm-hmm. movements. And I think that's obviously defence is something they absolutely need to address for me. They need to be active again, I think. There needs to be a, a slight change of players. New manager coming is obviously hopefully going to change things around but buck their ideas up because there's there's talent in there but yeah they, they, they need to change things quickly and that's the reason Ivor is now gone well they did last January and it proved very fruitful so we'll see if they can do the same thing again not many games left to talk about Barney but let, let's just talk about Santa Clara versus Vittoria and definitely a surprise result as Santa Clara earned a 1-0 win at home in the Azores and I was very, very impressed with them and how they played. I thought they dominated Victoria. They had more shots, 
more shots on target, more corners, more opportunities to score. And they looked hungry to win, something we haven't seen from them uh, for most of this season. I suppose the only shame is that they didn't play like this more often uh, under Nuno Campos before he left. Thiago Souza's taken over as interim manager and uh, and off this game, he was, you know, he was saying all the same, all right things like, you know, uh, all the preparation for the game and the tactics were a continuation of the work of Nuno Campos. And I think that's fair if you look in the lineup. But the change for me was that they were just more dynamic, you know, in terms of how quickly they looked to attack. You look how Lincoln played in this game. Yeah, I haven't seen that from him, and they could have done with that performance so many times. So many times, like we've seen his technical ability, we've seen his skill, but the way he absolutely controlled this game. I mean, I think it's interesting to compare him to Edwards of how you know we've talked about how Ed- Edwards has been that man for Victoria in recent in recent weeks. The way he's you know controlled mm. the game and drove driven them forward. Lincoln absolutely ran the show, and I did think actually it was from a slightly deeper role than usual. But I think we saw him. Um, affecting things, uh, playing long passes over the top that seems to work so well. But yeah, it was a. There's always a bad taste in my mouth when that when a team will lose a manager and then put in a a, a world yeah. class performance. It, I, I think it says something about the players. You yeah, know, the players will have to ask ask themselves why they weren't capable of putting that level of performance in under the previous manager. But that said, if they can turn it around and put in that kind of performance regularly. It's a good sign to show that they're capable of staying up because at the moment they're really, really struggling in the table. Bad day at the office for Vittorio Barney, but I don't think it's the end of the world. You know, the Osaurus is a tough place to go to. No excuses really for the long, long journey, but I think they will bounce back next game. They weren't awful, but definitely a game to kind of draw a line under and, and just go again next week. Yes, but on the run of form they had and like, you know, these... These are exactly the sort of games they need to be getting results from if they want to catch up with Braga, perhaps. Like, you know, th- these are these are the games. I was disappointed personally. I, I was expecting better for them. I'll be interesting to see uh, the SAD. I just saw in the news um, come out after their recent meeting saying they need to clear up the wage bill and, and generate around 10 million euros from sales of players. It's not really what you want to hear, I think, for a team that I feel have just started getting going on the pepper and perhaps want to build. Yes. Uh, like, you know, and, and who could we see moving? It would be interesting to see. The obvious one to say, of course, is Marcus Edwards, by far their most valuable asset and probably the most, the easiest sale in that team. But he's worth far more than 10 million. And I think at this point in the season, it would be a big mistake to let him go. It's interesting because when you look for those players that level down, that maybe you could sell for that amount of money, I don't see anyone else in that squad currently worth 10 million euros other than Marcus Edwards, who I think is worth more. I think if you're being harsh and you're looking for someone to cull in January who will clear up your wage bill and not make too big an impact on the team. The obvious one, Barney, is Ricardo Koreshma, who I don't think is really offering much on the pitch at all. Wouldn't be a big loss. And he's probably taken up a very big chunk of their wage bill. I agree with that. I don't think they get the 10 million, but I think you're exactly right in the chunk of wage bill he would clear up, you know, whether he'd get a move away somewhere. I mean, someone in Saudi Arabia would absolutely... Snap your hand off to get to get him at yeah. At, Vittorio Gomez fans are probably hating this chat because I was also going to say Andre Andre. I, I know he's their captain. I know he's a an incredible midfielder, but from what we've seen of Thiago Silva, Handel, Andre Almeida in the last few games and how well that's worked, you know, there's a new generation here that, that yeah. perhaps you know he could get a, he could get a move away to 
something. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think that's credit to Pepper Albert, and that's really what Victoria needed is the fact that he's brought us through some young players. You know, think of Saka at right back. He hasn't got a game recently. Uh, he's been placed by the young kid on loan from Benfica. He's moving things forward in the right way. You, you mentioned um, Edwards being the, the easiest way to make money. I don't think, I'd, I think Pepper's would have done enough to convince him to stay, see out this season, see the project through, because, you know, he's loving his football under him at the moment. Unless a big offer came in from a premiership club, I think Marcus Edwards should stay. I think, look, this is probably a bigger conversation for another time, but I think we mentioned in the summer, as early as our pre-season show, that Victoria had a lot of work to do rebuilding that squad. Mm. And this is not work that's going to take one transfer window. This is a long project that's going to take three, four, five transfer windows for them to get that squad where they want it to be. Because they've got a lot of players on long contracts who, let's be honest, are pretty dead wood. You know, players they brought in recently from abroad who shouldn't still be at the club. So it's going to take a little bit of time to move those players on get those players in that they want and start bleeding those young players into the team. So the key thing for Vittoria, and I, you know, I'm a bit worried to hear them say, we need to raise 10 million euros. I think the key thing for them is not to panic and just, they've got a good manager in Pepper who if they stick by will do well for them. And if they stick with a clear plan to clean up that squad and use the next few transfer windows to do so, I think in the next few years, they could have a very healthy squad. Well, look, we are going to leave it there for this week's game discussion. But before we go, just two quick games we want to mention. Boa Vista 1, Morarens nil. Barney, my favourite derby of the whole season, the Shadrez derby, the chessboard derby. Do you know why it's called that? I get because of both Vista checkers. Both teams' kits have checks. Oh, of it's course, brilliant. I thought, eh. I love it. I love it. My favourite derby this season. 1-0 to Boa Vista. And do you know what? Not a result to be overlooked because it's Petit's first win in charge in the league, his second win in charge in all competitions. And let's not forget they put up a decent performance against Sporting in his first game mm. in charge. So I know a lot of people reckon Petit is going to turn this Boa Vista side around. I'll be the first to admit that I didn't pay much attention to him at B-Sad, so... If he surprises me and does some good work at Boa Vista, I'll be very happy. 1-0 they won and a great goal from Hamash. If you go back and watch the highlights, it was a great finish. I absolutely love Hamash. He's been my guy for Boa Vista this season. I think he's great. I just hope we don't see him move to Bordeaux in the summer, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the last result of the week, Passos won. Tondela nil. When was the last time Passos won a game of football in the league, Barney? August, wasn't it? A very long time. Very long time. So they will be delighted. And it was Denilson Jr. with the penalty. I've been saying that this guy should be their guy the whole time. So very good result for them. Well, look, we've come to the end of the show. And as promised, because this is our last show of the year, we wanted to do a little something special. So before we started recording, I put out on Twitter asking for your questions. And we've had a really fantastic response. So we want to say thank you to everyone who answered. I believe we've got nine questions. So we're going to attempt to do them all. Uh, Bear with us, Barney. I hope you're ready. I hope you're limbered up and raring to go. And the first question comes from, of course, none other than Tom Kunda, Portugal, the godfather of Portugal football in English and it's a big question to kick off with Barney so I hope you're ready for this Tom says the gap between the big three and the rest seems especially wide this season are the big three better or are the other teams weaker and you're not allowed to say a little bit of both as your answer oh I like it um I'm gonna go with the other teams are weaker interesting I I think it's on a few things we've touched on before I think uh 
the Middle East being a destination for players. The one that always springs to mind is Fabio Martins. You know, he was unreal at Famalicao a season ago on loan, and now he's getting better. He's you know he's getting more money elsewhere. Managers as well. So yeah, I think it's the it's the smaller teams not being well as well um, equipped. What do you think? Do you think it's the big teams being too good or the, the small teams not being good enough? Well, to make it interesting, I will go with the other answer. And I always say the big teams are better. I think they're raking in money from the Champions League. We're seeing Benfica spend €100 million Euros in a transfer window on players. I think the big three are... There's players they're playing at a level that is very high. So I think, you know, we've got three teams in the big three that are, that are bigger than, than they have been for a long time. And the disparity is definitely bigger than it has been for a little while. I was also thinking that and I was thinking we actually need them three to do really well, go really far in the European competitions, get Portugal up the European coefficient so there's more opportunities for the smaller clubs to get into Europe where that's where the money is. Because I don't think the TV rights deal is going to is going to shore things up. There's no way that's going to happen. We need more Portuguese club in Europe. Tom, your first question has caused an absolute mayhem. It's already too long an answer. <laughs> we should just say, of course, before we move on, a massive thank you to Tom, who's been a great supporter of ours this season. You can find all our podcasts on the Portugal website, something that is a great source of pride for me and Barney. So a massive thank you to Tom. I'd love to know what he thinks. Yes, Tom, get in touch. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Right, look, next question, moving on, keeping things rapid. From Michael Stewart, one of our Twitter followers, who says... Two questions, Barney. One serious, one stupid. First, your assessment on Darwin Nunez's season so far, and specifically if he's going to move, where should he go? And second, with the news that Bruno de Cavalio, the former sporting president, is going to be on Portuguese Big Brother, will you be tuning in? Oh, my God. That's a great... <laughs> I've already said I will be getting someone to come round to put a dodgy Portuguese satellite dish up on the, on the house. I will do, you be remember, do you remember Big Brother had that channel where you could just watch it 24-7 as well? <laughs> Tune in to Bruno de Cavalli yeah. and his cereal. <laughs> go on, on um, Darwin, Barney, quickly. Go on. How good has he been and where will he go? I think he's been brilliant. I think... You know, compared to last season where he's rumoured with Barcelona all the top teams, I don't yeah. think he's there yet. I don't know. He needs to do something big in the Champions League, perhaps. Uh, he's, he's young and he could easily be at Benfica this time next season as well, getting better and better. So we'll see. You? Yeah, I agree. Been much improved this season. We said he just needed the confidence. And I think if he's going to go anywhere, I think it'll be a stepping stone club like a Sevilla. But best strike in the league at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Um. Next one from Dita, one of our good friends on Twitter. Dita, he says, hi, guys. What would be your starting lineup of players of the season so far? And which player will be the breakout star in the second part of the season? Dita, I'm very sorry, mate. I think we will have to skip that first one because uh, me and Barney would... It's the sort of thing we would like to plan in advance. Our whole episode. <laughs> but I really like this second question, Barney. So let's focus on that. Which player do you think will be the breakout star in the second part of the season? Which player do you think is ready to... Uh, have a good second half of the season. Go on. I'm I'm looking to Gil Vicente. Surprise, surprise for this. Um, my heart says Samuelino. My head says um, Fran Navarro. I like it. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna keep his consistency up, and I think you know he he's gonna be the striker. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm going to go with Marcus Edwards. I know we're talking about him a lot, but mm. I think he's still slightly under the radar at the first half of the season. I think by the end of this season, we will be talking about him as arguably one of the best wingers in the league. He hasn't reached his full potential yet. I think. I think he's just getting started. I think he's yeah. going to fly. Yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. Great thank you for that one, Dita. A very Merry Christmas to you, and thank you for all your support this year, mate. It is very much appreciated. Yeah. Next one, Barney. 
Felipe Melo, the Felipe Ooh. from Proxima Jornada podcast. Quickly before we do this, I will give a big shout out to Proxima Jornada. They've just started a Patreon uh, and I highly recommend all, all our listeners go and get involved in that. They just dropped an exclusive podcast all about the disparity between the big three, TV rights, all that good stuff. Get on it if you're not doing it already. Felipe says, Merry Christmas, guys. Who is the player that has impressed you most this season? And in brackets for Barney, answer cannot be Samuel Lino. Uh, Rafa. <laughs> Uh, nice. I, I think I think Rafa for sure. I think we we were we were hyping up Luis Diaz in the summer, weren't we? He had a great um Copa America. Um Rafa for me, I wasn't expecting it, and I think he has been unreal. I think he's he's the he's the main man in Benfica at the moment for sure. I think I would also go Rafa, but to be interesting, because I'm not trying to pick a surprise here, I'm just trying to pick who's been impressive. I will go for Diogo Costa, the Porto goalkeeper. I think oh yeah. Been. Really undervalued in that team and, and one of the best players in that side. Right, here we go. We're getting interesting from Unbenfiquista Americano. How are you, mate? Thank you for the question. Which club has been the biggest surprise for you, both in a positive and in a negative way? Uh, Very good question. That's a really good question. Um, in a positive way, Boa Vista, I think, have been a fair bit better than I, I really thought they were going to be. Um, and I think some of their players have, have really... Um, you know, put in some really good performances that I wasn't expecting from them. Like Gustavo Sara in particular. Um, and Peter Musa, I love it. I actually like, he's one of my favourite strikers in the league, actually. Um, disappointing, I would say, uh, oh, I think there's too many to choose from in that one, isn't there? Mm. Um, yeah. I think we. I got caught up in the past the Ferro being in the Conference League and then it, it just, never, it, after that, they've absolutely fallen off a cliff. And I think they've got, they've got some... Uh, I've got some really good players who are certain, like their midfield's one of my favourite midfields in this league, uh, Luis Carlos Estacchio and um, Nuno Santos. So, yeah, I think that that would be my disappointment. Two very good choices. For me, the most surprising positive team, I was tempted to go for Gil Vicente Barney, but if I'm just patting myself on the back here, for us, it wasn't a surprise. We predicted this at the yeah. beginning of the season. We said they could do it. So, in terms of surprise, I would say pleasantly surprised by Porto Menendez. I hoped they would do well, but I didn't necessarily predict it. So I'm very pleased to see them do well, playing great football. Negatively, oh, take your pick. Santa Clara, Morenz, Pastor Ferreira. I think I will go with Family Calder. We've covered them a lot already, but I think they have been the biggest disappointment. I'm going to get in there before you tell me, Barney. I know I predicted that they would finish in the European places at the beginning <laughs> of the year. And uh, here they are in the relegation zone. So yeah, definitely my biggest disappointment. I was just going to say, we both haven't uh, said Estra as well for our positive surprise. <laughs> of course, of course. No, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot to choose from, to be fair. Uh, question from Pete Demekin. Hello, Pete, mate. Thank you for your question. How good is Rafa at the moment? I think we've covered this quite a lot. The podcast has been very Rafa heavy. I think we both think he's in the top two players in the league. Go on, Barney. I was just going to say, I was going to say earlier, but I feel like, you know, you know Barcelona have got all these money issues. He could probably be a cheap option for a hell of a good player. He's been he's been phenomenal, man. And yep. we're getting dangerously close to territory of, you know, it's like Messi, Ronaldo, Diaz, and Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Barney thinks he's as good as Messi. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> uh, next question, Barney. You're really going to like this from William Sawsby. Have you been disappointed with Braga this season? Not that I expected them to crack the top three, but to be nine points off at the halfway point and a few performances that have been very disappointing. I think we know what performances he's alluding to there. I think I need to really um, take some time away and really work out what I think about Braga. They've, they're always <laughs> a team that confused me. I, I don't know. Some days I want more from them. Sometimes I think, actually, no, they're doing all right. Um, I don't know. I think uh, 
for me, I think Car- Carlos Carvalho has sort of taken a bit too long to, to work things out. I think they had a bad start of the season, but now I think they're really getting things together. We're seeing a, a good team just do do, um, do really well. I don't think they they had at the beginning of the season, but now I, I'm happy and, I, and I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm going to be harsh, Barney. I think they have been disappointing. And I will say that specifically because I don't think they've been good enough against the big three and they don't look even close to cracking at that top three, which I know is a very ambitious aim, but I think they should at least give you that hope. At the moment, I don't really have any hope that they will get there at all. And, you know, whenever they play against the big three side, I can't see them winning a game against the big three side, home or away at the moment. So for me, that is a disappointment. It's back to what we were talking about earlier, man. They, they need to do well in Europe in order to get money in order to be able to invest. In yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a vicious circle. Look, another question from at m.slb, Mario from the Benfica After 90 podcast. We have two questions from the guys at the Benfica After 90 podcast. So we should give them a massive shout out. I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to it already. If you don't get on it, it's a great podcast about all things Benfica. His question, what would your shortlist be for a current top three to five potential Liga MVPs for this season? Right. I think we've got two already, Barney. So Luis Diaz and Rafa. But give me three more players that you think will be on the shortlist for the MVP coming into the season. Well, MVP, I like MVP because I think it's not just like, you know, top goals or anything like that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. Um, if I was going to pick someone from Sporting, I'd go, I think I'd go Sarabia. Samuel Lido's got to be in there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we talked about him earlier, Andre Franco as well. I think, you know, oh, Edwards, it's, it's, that's a tough question. I, yeah, I need more time tough. to think about that. It is tough. Well, I'm going to go Luis Diaz, Rafa. I am going to put Darwin in there. I'm going to put Sarabia in there from God Sporting. Darwin, yeah. And my last one, I'm going to put in... Ah, I'm going to put in Ricardo Horta from Braga. There you go. Oh, I've decided. Yeah. That's good. Just for the record, guys, we're doing this off the cuff, so please don't get in our Twitter having a go at us for picking the wrong things. Last <laughs> question, Barney. Uh, and this is my favourite question. We saved the best till last. From Carlos Verde. And his question to you specifically, Barney, how does Lito Vidigal keep getting hired? <laughs> <laughs> we, Albert, we've said on his box office. We've said it on the <laughs> You said it, I think. Um, I think so, yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I was thinking about this earlier because I did actually see this one that's popped up on my notifications. I've had time to prepare my argument because um, I'm going to back this guy. Okay. Um, Albert, he wouldn't have lost 7-1 to Benfica. I'll tell you that for nothing. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's about all I've got. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> no, it's no, it's really interesting because I think I, I think I'm right in saying he wouldn't have lost 7-1 to Benfica. I think it's going back to this question we've touched on a few times recently about should teams change the way they play for other other teams. He, he's a good manager at being able to. Yeah, because when you come against teams like Benfica, if you scrape away with a draw, that's a good result. You know, if you scrape, if you if you grind out and nick a win, that's a good result against teams that are bigger and better than you. And that, because there is such disparities in this league, so I think that's why he keeps getting hired. Because yeah, though he hasn't shown it so far, has he? We've <laughs> just got this image of Lito Vidigal just like going around all the Premier League clubs, knocking on doors, just being like, "You got any work?" That's how he keeps getting jobs. <laughs> Well, look, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for those great like questions. We really enjoyed that. I think we might try and do a little mailbox thing once a month if if people are keen on having their questions read out on air. We always enjoy doing it. So that was brilliant. 
and look that brings us to the end of our very last show of the year and what a fantastic year it's been we've been really really delighted with how the podcast has gone over the last 12 months the way it's grown the support we've had from so many people has been fantastic and of course the most important thing is that you the listener tune in and get involved in the conversation so the most important thing we have to say is a massive thank you to everybody who's listened over the last 12 months both me and Barney uh, are very appreciative we want to say a massive thank you to all the guests we've had on the show of course Jamie Farr who's been on a couple of times and does a fantastic figure of the week column every week on the portugal.net especially the Segunda who do a great podcast and blog about all things Segunda Liga you can go and check them out of course we had Con Murphy as an interview earlier uh, in the year that was fantastic that episode is still available to listen to uh, we've done live podcasts from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium we've been to Portugal and done live blogging over a weekend it's been a fantastic year and none of it would have been possible uh, without people listening do you want to say something Barney? Oh just exactly what you just said there thank you so much to the for, for everyone for listening the support is always immense always takes us by surprise and um I, do, I just love those questions just then again. I definitely want to do yeah. more of that because it's great to interact. It's great to chat to people. And uh... we're always happy to get involved on Twitter if you want to come and comment on what we're doing. We're always happy to, to get involved. Well, look, as it's Christmas and in the spirit of giving, if the podcast listeners wanted to give something back to the podcast as a little Christmas present, perhaps there is a couple of things they could do. And one, there's a new thing, Barney, because this week Spotify decided that they wanted to allow ratings on podcasts. We always say if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. But for now, we can say if you're on Spotify, perhaps if you listen to the show on Spotify right now, you can go on and give us a little rating. We'll be back next year. We hope you all have a wonderful Christmas for everybody celebrating a happy new year to everybody listening. Stay safe out there. Enjoy the Classico on the 23rd of December. That's going to be a fantastic game. Maybe me and Barney will get a chance to watch that together uh, in London. But look, it just leaves me to say, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next year. See you next year.